Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are actually enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Um, today, we are just talking about like happiness and just how it exudes out of your voice. And so, I don't know, if, if you like, go and subscribe to the newsletter. It's fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. No idea. Like Charlie, maybe people want to hear I can't hold it any longer. But, can't. <laughs> but, I'm, like, I'm like, don't laugh, Charlie. Don't laugh. This I, is ruin it was the a intro. real struggle. I had to stop looking at you. <laughs> dude, I got this smirk. Go and try and be unhappy. Try and be unhappy. All right, everyone. I'm back. So well, we that's how some people are going through life, Grant. They're that unhappy. So today we're talking about happiness. Now I'm even going to just cut this one off. Subscribe to the newsletter. You know you want to. And then cue my damn ridiculously good-looking disclaimer. <laughs> Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, it's Monday morning. It's uh, roughly, I'm going to say it's nearly 10 a.m. And all those suckers in corporate world are just sitting there starting their grind for the week. Did you How drag you yourself out of bed or did you jump out of bed this morning, Charlie? Drag, jump. Which one do you do? I can actually get up pretty excitingly, I must say. Getting out of bed is something where it's like I look forward to my day. My, my happiness scale is off the charts these days. It really is. Oh, it's, it's infectious. I can tell. Team's happier too. Freaking awesome. Well, I think that's a great point is I wasn't actually always this happy. So um, let, let, let's go into this one in a little bit. So over the last couple of weeks, something I've noticed particularly in people uh, that I care about in the, in the business owner community is some of them have started to do it a little bit tough, maybe because of the environment or just general business challenges. And like their happiness has just gone through the floor, like stresses low, up. Low, 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 yep. Yeah, and like, you know, I get it. I, I used to be like it and I look at that and just go, oh, it brought back all the memories. It brought back all the memories. So I'll tell you what I used to do and I wonder if you did it. I suspect a lot of people do. <laughs> so what I used to do is that I had built up this story that like in business it has to be hard, it has to be challenging and like that's how you make money, right? You make money by doing things you don't enjoy. So what I would do is I would just – to make money, keep saying yes to things that I knew would make me unhappy. Right? So, That's for example, smart. I didn't like being on calls all the time and dealing with clients and I would spend all of my day signing up more clients to do more of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds riveting. Sounds what you wanted to do. Yeah, because I thought that's how it had to be. Like you're supposed to be unhappy, Grant. Like that's <laughs> what being a business owner is. What's the this, what's this saying? If it was easy, everybody would do it, which means like if you're too happy doing it, then you're not doing it hard enough. Well, it's called work, Grant. It's not <laughs> called play. <laughs> yes, there's so much I could riff off on that, but totally. Hold, hold your tongue, but do you see what I mean? Like the beliefs we build is fascinating, right? Um, <laughs> the, the negative connotations are real. It's totally real. 
Well, you would be one of the people I have known for quite a while now where doing very similar things, not identical, but very similar things in the last 10 years, but you've always been happier than me. Maybe not now, but for majority of the journey, <laughs> significantly happier person. And there's other business owners out there that it's like, even in a lesser performing business, because this isn't about making money. I've, I've definitely made money along the way. But there's people out there where maybe they haven't done as well financially, but they're massively happier and their existence as a human in this world is increased. So it can't totally. be connected. They're not, it's not, um, what is it? It's not a or, it can be an and. <laughs> Wait, what, what does it say? Where uh, money can't buy you happiness, but I'm sure willing to try. <laughs> yeah, I checked. I actually checked. checked. I was like, uh, I heard all those assholes say it, but I'm still going to check. <laughs> yeah, damn straight. And, but I, I, I do look at it and I go, uh, yeah, this is not an or thing. Like it's, like it's not like everybody works their ass off to the end of their working career, like 60, 65 retire, and then it's like, bam, happiness is unlocked. Now you have achieved the next level. Mm-mm, it does not work like that. Well, let me go further than this. I would say that if you're an unhappy business owner, it is – something that's probably costing you money and wealth and you don't realize it because if you are in the grind and you're unhappy and you're just a miserable person, uh, chances are that you're probably repelling networking opportunities, for example. So like who's going to want to do business with you if you're a miserable asshole? You know how many people have we've recruited where they worked for miserable assholes? Where they're like, I just don't want to work for that organization. I'm like, oh, we'll just wait to see ours. <laughs> it's great here. You never Gr- great example. Can't retain team because you're a dick. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> you just make everybody sad. Yeah, totally. I think this is this is one of those points that I, I think a lot of people struggle with it because, and you set this up very well. It's almost like they see it as the norm. Like I have to be this way in order to like I have to be the the hard guy in order to produce the best out of my team. I have to be the hard guy to make sure that we win back cancelled clients. I have to be that guy in order for the business to succeed. But it's, it's not that way. So I would actually argue for some of the points you mentioned around network opportunities, clients want to be around other happy people, et cetera. If you're actually happy, you get that and then more. <laughs> and you actually want to walk into your office or in front of your computer and actually work on the business because it's not like you're dragging yourself through mud just to try and get things done. Definitely. I would also say for the unhappy business owner, they're probably more likely to do things like maybe have a few glasses of wine or drinks in the evening and then it's like, well, the compound effect of that is the next day you don't rock up as cognitively sharp, right? So there's certainly like there's coping mechanisms or maybe it's video game addiction and then you're not sleeping and then same kind of thing can happen from there. But um, I want to jump into like the big insight and like epiphany moment for me on this one. So um, it's really interesting that you hear something in a general term. So like, you know, money can't buy you happiness, right? It's like, I'm just like, I don't believe that in a general term. But when people you respect and admire start saying something, you, you believe it way more. Totally. So three people. Number one was uh, Naval Ravikant. Number two was Scott Galloway. And then number three was a guy called Mo Gaudat. I want to say I probably butchered G- that. Gaudat, I think. Yeah, something like that. And all three of them released – books or podcasts on happiness and they present this idea that happiness is a skill and I would argue it's both a skill and a default state. I think some yep. people come out in life and their default state is just happier by, you know, call it genetic lottery or by upbringing. But in general, like they presented this idea that it's a skill. 
And what's interesting is like once I accepted that from that experience, then suddenly I was able to start working on it for myself and start making some changes. And I, I think I'm a noticeably happier person today than five years ago. Totally. And because it is a skill that you have sought to enhance, I'm curious, like, did you get to a point where you acknowledge that you're unhappy or was that someone said, hey, Tyler, you seem to be unhappy in comparison to the normal fellow or in comparison to Grant, and then you're like, hey, I should work on this thing and make myself happier, so, meaning that it was this, I need to get happier. What? How do I learn the skill of happiness? Or was this something more that as you were consuming more content from people that you respect, admire, et cetera, they started talking about this concept that was happiness as a skill? Yeah, so that is such a good question. It was actually, so hanging around, I would say you and a few other people in my life that are much happier people, I started to admire that. I was like almost, I would say building envy. Like I was like, oh, I think it would be better to go through life being happier than not. Like maybe happiness should be the goal more because of the knock-on effects that come from it. So it's like I started to, just like when you don't have money and you see someone with money, you're like, oh, having money would be nice. I would be like, okay, well, I'm not feeling that I have ha- enough happiness in my life and seeing it in other people. I'm like, I think I think this might be uh, something to try on, right? Like the, I can always become miserable again if I choose to. Isn't isn't that interesting? See, I, I actually fell into it. So here I was, I was thinking about this just before when I was going to coffee. I'm like, well, how did I actually get into more around this happiness and sort of absorbing these unhappy situations in a better in a better way? <laughs> and inadvertently, it was like when I was like 19 and starting my businesses, because um, yes, I've ran businesses for 16 years. Jeez, <sighs> I'm getting old, Charlie. Um, and it came from the point of me wanting to be more effective and more efficient. And so I started looking at, well, what do other business owners do in order to think clearer, get more productivity out of their day? And a lot of them started leaning on, well, we meditate and we do all of these other things. And so then I ended up just diving deep, as I do, addictive personality, deep into meditation, into stoicism, into psychology, uh, like when I started businesses. Now, is that the best thing to start sort of learning when you're starting a business? No, I'd probably argue that you probably should learn sales and marketing first and then kind of add these skills on top, which impacted Wait, wait, wait. That's what I did, but I was miserable just to be clear. Well, this, this is the thing. Like, I was terrible at sales and marketing and that's why I started. Um, and so like that is what was ingrained in me was I just went deep. And so then I was doing meditations, I was doing yoga, I was doing like all of these things. I had this understanding around psychology, which meant that all of these negative things that happened in the business, whether it was people leaving, clients cancelling, all of these things, I could just absorb those punches better than most. Like it might impact you sort of harder than it would impact me just because I had this way to ground myself. And then what happened was a lot of these people started talking about the concept of like interpreting different things and it turned into happiness. And so funnily enough, it just like morphed from me just trying to become more productive and have a clearer state of mind. And it kind of morphed into this happiness land. And I was just like, oh, wow, now I've got this skill set, which it was never me running out saying, how can I be more happy? It was just, uh, I was a happy guy naturally. And then I just added these skills on top. That, that almost sounds like an accident though. Like it, it doesn't accident. sound like it was, see, that's really interesting. Cause I'm, I'm someone that's known you quite a while and I would, uh, make a case that I think your default happiness level is probably higher than the average person. And you would be correct. And now it just got higher and more. <laughs> so what's the impact of that been 
for you when you look at it from a business front then? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. So I am very well known for waking up super early in the morning, like 4.30, and being able to work a longer period of time than most people. And it's I primarily relate that back to the happiness around what I do. I get very excited when I get to solve problems. I, I enjoy the challenge of feeling a little bit of pain to go, well, how can I make that better? How can I learn from that experience? What could I do differently? Where most people would sort of cower and go, ah, oh, man, this kind of sucks. So from a happiness perspective, the longevity of me being able to play this game has actually been extended because I don't feel like it's work. I just get to enjoy the things that I do. So if you and I, if you and I were just to jump into the business ring, you'll sort of swing and negative things might hit you or past Charlie, not current Charlie. Things would hit you and you just react and sort of punch through it. And yeah, push, you, push, you flip push, a desk. Push, push. That's what everyone does. Completely. Don't they? Throw a chip where, through a wall. Like <laughs> where I absorb it and go, great, okay, cool. How can I play this differently? What can I do to change the state? How can I soften the blow on the team? How can I do these things? Because this is a long-term game, not a short-term game, um, which means that because I absorb these things slightly different to how most people would, I can continue without having the impact to revenue, without having the impact to the team, et cetera. Now, I will argue that it means that I react to things not as harshly. So, for example, if you lose a client, you probably go out and try and find three where I'll go, cool, I'll lose a client. I'll go, how do I just replace that or get a second one on the top? Right? So I'll just be a lot more cool, calm, collected and calculated in how I do something where that's a long-term game versus you might beat me in the short term. or you <laughs> I, I disagree. Short term. I disagree and I'm going to tell you why. If you can rock up and work consistently well, sustainably longer, I think you win. I think the miserable business owner that's only doing four hours of work because they hate it and then they've (laughs) got their Netflix open in the side and going, this is shit, and then smashing some beers. Even in that example, it's like I would think that because you've created sustainability and enjoyment is like your chances of being way more successful financially in business and investing, go through the roof. And I, I, I align to that. Um, what was the podcast that Naval did with Gupta? Um, oh, Conquering the Mind with Conquering Kapil the Mind. Gupta. And it was really interesting was their view on interpreting different things around. So like I will have a task which is like let's go and build a process. And most business owners are like, ah, oh, I don't want to do process. So they'll like push it off, push it off, push it off, push it off. But for All me, right. I'm like, you just spoke to every business owner ever. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing that is the most important for them to work on is the thing that gets deprioritized because they try and get anything else that would create happiness. I just enjoy doing whatever it is, whether it's sales, marketing processes, or otherwise. And I just get to, I just feel the enjoyment of doing something, which means my to do list doesn't really get delayed because I just enjoy the process of working through it because I've been able to interpret it different ways. Because I'm like, well, what is the opposite? I'm like, well, I don't want to go and work in corporate world, so I'm just, I'm just happy that I get to do the things. I'm happy I get to go to the gym in the middle of the day now. Like, I'm happy that I get to do all of these other things, which means that doing this one thing is pretty small. So that's my interpretation. Interesting. So I, I, I want to ask this question because I've thought about this a lot and, like, I don't know where I sit on it completely, but I think both are really important. I'll, I'll put that out. Is being happy, right, more about, Avoiding things that make you unhappy or doing things that make you happy? <laughs> I, I see it as a I see it as a net. I, I see it as a both. And so that, I'll, uh, that just to, that's where I've kind of landed. I think you have to appreciate both. And so I yeah, I think of it like a scale, right? And so it's not a 
where is my happiness from a zero to 100%? Am I at 10%, 20%, 80%, et cetera? I see it as a, is it negative 10 or a positive 10 with zero being in the middle? And so if I wake up in the morning and I just haven't checked social media, I haven't checked emails or anything like that, my state of mind is like a zero, right? And yes, you might have had a fight with your wife the night before. and sure too many be. beers and waking and up hungover. You might be at a negative. <laughs> you might be a negative, right? But very rarely you're going to be at a positive, right? Unless you go into like Disneyland that day. And like, oh my God, <laughs> Disneyland. But most people just sort of wake up on, a, on like a zero. But then as you start getting into the day, like a client cancelling might bump you down by negative four. And then maybe a team member um, resigned or did like made a mistake or something like that, right? And it goes, cool, that's another negative four. So now my happiness state is at like a negative eight. Anyone who interacts with me is probably not going to get the best version of me <laughs> right? because I'm, my mind is just not right. Now, I, will, I can then combat that by doing things that are, make me happy, right? So I might go, I don't know, I might do a podcast with you, Charlie. And that could give. Well, me that. is that a negative or a positive for you first? <laughs> I plead the fifth. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a positive. We don't have the fifth here, right? You're in the US. <laughs> no, so that's a positive, right? So I'm at a negative eight. And so I'm like, cool, well, doing a podcast with Charlie might be uh, like a, an, a seven. So my negative eight turns to a negative one. So on the happiness scale, I'm still down, right? Because it's not like just a podcast is going to make me very, very happy. I would actually argue that if I'm doing a podcast with you and I'm a negative eight, it's probably only going to get worse because my anxiety is going to go through the roof because I'm not going to bring my best self, which means that the podcast quality is going to be crappy, which means that you're then going to relay my happiness, which means that you're not going to rock up the way that you should rock up, which means that the happiness factor of what should have been an enjoyable thing is probably not. And so I look at that as a, it is as much avoiding the things or, or just not reacting to them as harshly as doing the things that make you happy, right? Because you, it's like, do you not find there's a bit of default state in that? So I'll give you an example. Have you like without putting intention into it? How many people have had a bad day and they're like, oh, "I'm going to get away for the desk. I'm going to go for a walk for ten minutes." Completely, like it's not even intentional. There's something in it where we know when we've built up to a point where we're in that mood, we even seem to be like naturally going into other things to try and counter that and get back to more of a neutrality. Completely. And so like there are a whole heap of things that people can do from meditation and walking, uh, even taking naps where your brain can then just decompress. Wait, wait, so you, you lose your biggest client and you just have set some money on fire. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to have a nap right now. Dude, I, I'm not, no word of a lie. Yes. Like for, I, I couldn't do it. A no 10, way. 15 minute nap because my brain actually works through the problem. And then when I wake up, it, I'm a weird individual. But then <laughs> the final thing that I'm going to sit on top of it is the interpretation of happiness is based on you, right? So maybe losing a client, and I'm not going to say the biggest client, maybe losing a client to me is a negative two on that scale, but to you is a negative five, even though it's the exact same client, the exact same scenario, it's just a different interpretation based on a different person. And so that is like the, this next layer of skill that sort of Mo and Naval and those guys kind of talk about. It's like it's your interpretation as to how bad these things are and how much they impact your happiness. No one told you it was going to be a negative five. You were the one that made it a negative five. Oh, he's anything, going deep. He's going if deep. Anything, it could be a ne- if anything, it could be a plus two that you lost a client because, hey, now I've got a space for a big, bigger client. They could pay more. I could generate more profit. So in actual fact, that client cancelling could actually be a good thing. Right, and so this scale is hugely dependent upon the individual, but it also comes back to the skill around happiness. And yes, I've gone deep. <laughs> going deep. 
I, I would actually say the one of the biggest differences in my happiness in general these days uh, versus previous Charlie, and we'll, we'll come back and I want to talk some other points around this one, is I think your health points are really, really important. Actually, I'm just going to say it right now. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> the health-related stuff, whether it's meditation, walking, physical fitness, seems to play a role in this even though it may not be directly correlated in logic. I will say that all of that seems to play a role and having that in your life will make a difference to your happiness. But going to your point then about like you're setting the rules of happiness, like it's actually an internal game, like it's not exacts. Like it's not like a one litre of water is the same for you and I, right, which it is. It's where this is like it's interpreting. We get to make it what we want. Um, So it's subjective I think is the actual word. So the thing that I picked up when I started going through all this content is like there's two things that I was doing that are actually making me unhappy. Right? Podcasting two. with Grant. Questionable. <laughs> 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 Expectations and desires. <laughs> you said I was going deep. That's deep. <laughs> that is deep. I, let's go there. Well, if – if you expect to be a millionaire at 30 and you're not, that's going to make you unhappy. Totally. Totally, yes. If your desire is to have a $5 million house in Turak or Rose Bay or in insert place and you don't, that's going to make you unhappy. If you expect all your staff to never resign and never get sick and only do perfect work and then they make a mistake, what do you think it happens? Totally. If you expect all your clients to appreciate the hard work you're putting in and understand that and just, you know, send your messages going, hey, well done, and then that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you expect your toddler to sleep perfectly every night, (laughs) but you can see, right? It's like, but again, it's like, so for me, I looked at this right now and gone, well, the first thing is I have unrealistic expectations of my business. I'm expecting everyone to be perfect and they're never going to be. Where if I expect that things will go wrong every day, every day that things don't go wrong, man, it's a party. Yep. <laughs> it's, again, yeah. setting that there and it's like desire-wise, it's like, and you know the whole like Buddhist thing around, you know, the secret is if you don't want for anything, then there can't be suffering, right? That's the, one of the Buddhist teachings. But there's a whole bunch of truth to that as well. Did, there was this. There was this great interview. I think. I think it was like 60 Minutes or like a Current Affair or something like that. Did this was did I'm talking like a decade ago, which is how much this thing has ingrained in the back of my head. And the interview was with the world, like the world Guinness record holders for the longest marriage. And they asked them what the secret was to this. I, I found this amazing. And she said, "No expectations." She's like, and. They've been married for 90 years, right? And she's like, on a Thursday night, I'm grateful that he's having dinner with me over poker with the boys, doing something else. She's like, I'm just grateful that he's there. I don't expect him to be there, which means that when he is there, I appreciate that. And I'm like, mind blown. Like that was in my 20s when I heard that. And I'm like, you're joking. <laughs> like 90 years of like no expectations for you to be there on a Thursday night dinner. Like you didn't, like you could do anything, anything on the world. And you chose to be with me to eat dinner that I've cooked. And that makes me happy because you could have done anything else. And I'm like, <laughs> just 
like the, put that in your cap. Completely. And you can apply this like everywhere. Like you, re- you really can, but expectations um, I think are huge. Desires are huge. It was just like one of the little mental things as well. So for, for me, when, when um, I became financially independent, right, so when I no longer had to work, right, so I never have to do business again, when it became get to, like that mental f- switch from things in my life being have to's to get to, I don't have to look after a toddler, I get to look after a toddler. I don't have to do business, I get to do business. That significantly reshaped my own happiness as well, I will say. So to that point, because you are someone who still has goals that you're trying to achieve and you still push the envelope and you could interpret goals as like some type of desire and some type of like this is what I'm going to, is it that you just interpret if you miss it slightly differently? You're like, well, I I hit 80% of where I was hoping to get to. Because a lot of business owners listening to this, they're like, well, I want to hit a wealth goal of $5 million. I want to hit I don't know, $100,000 a month in my business or these things that they're working towards to continually improve. And most of them won't hit it in the time frame that they're hoping for. And so is that you just go, well, at least I got somewhere towards it. At least I'm doing the activities as opposed to being thoroughly disappointed and beating myself up and saying, well, I just can't do this. I'm out. Is that, that's an interesting point, right? I, I think it, for some, this is the point where they, I'll call it go monk. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Just like they just yeah. fall off the world of going, well, I'm not going to have any desires. I'm not going to have any goals. Like that's the way to be happy is to just eliminate. Yep. Enjoy, I, what is it? Enjoy the journey, not the destination. I, I'm going to say that I don't interpret it in that. I can understand why someone would and like that's a way to play. Just like if you've got to lose weight, one of the ways to do it is to restrict calories. The other way is to burn more calories in that example. Yep. Um, so when I looked at this here is like I don't think of this as like, oh, okay, well, now I want to be happy. I can't have goals. I can't, have I can't goals. try and achieve. <laughs> no, I just think this is the, the skill set that sits within it to do it in a better way. Yeah. Like if your goal is to lose weight, well, why not eat a few less calories and increase the burn, like play it from both sides. So if you're going to set goals, doesn't it make sense to not beat yourself to death? when you don't hit them or like, if you're going to set goals and chase things, like why make it the worst experience in the world to do so? Like it's not, you don't have to do it that way to achieve it. Yeah. And also if you, I I look at it as like any progress is typically good progress and without some kind of goal, uh, there's nothing to really work towards. Cause I would argue that the goal creates the motivation and the motivation creates the happiness. I interpret if I miss my goal or hit my goal, different ways like it's on on me and i'm like dude i'm i'm down for what is it aiming for the stars and hitting the moon because it was like well above what i was expecting (laughs) i was just like oh wow that was great so i love that i think that the expectation management is huge because a lot of people expect to do things that at the point where actually probably unrealistic for them to achieve or they just never had the skill set to achieve them in the first place but they didn't realize they didn't have the skills to do it so their interpretation is key but yes i've done the same All right, so I want, to ju- I want to jump into some points here around like making this a little bit more practical. I think because for a lot of business owners out there, it's like the what and things that come with it, although I do hope they work on their expectations and desires a little bit. But um, one, one, of the, one of the things that made a massive difference for me, and again, I would look at it, is the people you work with. Right, so Expand if you're... Yeah, so like, and I'm just using this as a broad example. If you have uh, clients and you don't like them and you have team and you don't like them, like the chances of you being a happy person are quite low. 
where it's like, I love my team. I think the team's awesome. And it's like, I enjoy working with you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a slope scale. Yeah. So I think like one of the things people could do when they come to their business and maybe even their life is like start to adjust whether it's clients, the suppliers, like whatever it is, like where the people you're surrounded with, I think that has a large influence on happiness. I agree. And I think of it like a scale again, right? Like not all, like how many times do you, I actually know our account's amazing, but how many times like there are people that you have to interact with or that you should interact with, like the ATO. <laughs> and he's like, this is not going to be a great interaction. However. <laughs> I've had some lovely people from the ATO, by the way. But anyway, that's. <laughs> I just shit on someone, come on. <laughs> and it's like, well, this is just never going to be great. Like I just have to deal with that kind of thing. But on the flip side, it's like, well, how can you make as many of these interactions as positive or as good as you possibly can? And as business owners, we get to choose our network that we talk to. We're going to choose the clients that we work with. We're going to choose the team that we work with. So why why do I make them all not have a, do I want to have a beer with them factor? Like all of the team that we have, dude, I'd love to have beers with them. Like all of our clients like ping me on Facebook Messenger and they're like, hey, man, what are you doing here? Why would you fly to Brisbane? Why are you doing these things? I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like this is the types of people that I want as opposed to a lot of other people just don't want to know their clients, don't want to know their team because they just see it as a stepping stone. Completely. And, and so I look, I, I do look at that as, a, as a, if at the moment, um, the, if, you, if you've ever jumped into your team, you're like, oh, I've just got to call with Charlie. <laughs> Like, it's like, the question is, really? Well, how could you turn that into a, I've got a call with Charlie. Like, how could you turn that into a positive? Is it, and it just could be, it's the wrong person, the wrong client, right? Like some people seem like the right person from out of the gate. And I know a lot of people who recruit employees with the beer factor. Like if I can't see myself having a beer with this person, I will never employ them. And this is this layer across the top because they just don't want to deal with people they don't want to work with or wouldn't see themselves as friends with. And so the question is more, well, just how do you interpret that? Like, how do you just find people you want to have a beer with? How do you find clients you want to have a beer with? Because then it turns a negative into a positive, right? And just asking yourself that question. Do you know what's interesting? I'll share a story on this. When, when I was a, a plumber way back, um, I once worked on, uh, and I won't actually name the business or anything from there, but I worked on a, a site that was actually for processing chicken. So we called it the chicken farm. So literally this is, um, and I don't think of it like this, is like it's where chicken goes to turn into the products you would buy at the supermarkets. The wrapped chickens, yep. Yeah, which I think you would have to call it like an abattoir to a degree, yeah, yeah, abattoir. maybe. I don't and go with that. Anyway, yes. there's a bit going on there. So as a plumber, like there's a lot of pumps and tanks and things that have to go through so they can process the waste at these joints. You can't just send the remains of chicken down the drain. doesn't work like that. Anyway, so what's really interesting is like there was um, a particularly like easy job at this uh, place, which was just like laying new pipes. Nothing. It was like for a whole new section, everything's clean and new and no smell, really key point. Right? And I'm working on this um, section in the beginning, but it's like, do you know what's really interesting? All the people that are working in this section are like trying to knife me in the back. They're all like complete, well, just assholes to put it out there. So there was a thing going on on this site where people were really concerned about making it to the next job. So what they would do is just throw people under the bus continually to management because then it would be like, well, if I get rid of this guy, then I'll be on the next job site. So there was this like really bad attitude that was in this group, um, particularly like really bad attitude. And like I'm talking like sabotaging each other's work. Like it was a horrible, horrible experience to work, even though the work was easy and clean. 
And eventually I got like fed up with this, in all honesty. And I actually think between people complaining about me and trying to get me thrown under the bus, they got me moved into this other section of the chicken farm or the processing plant, which is like the most disgusting thing I've ever done in my life. So I'll explain is there's like this tank that we needed to change over some like uh, fittings within or like some valves and stuff like that, which I won't make it too technical, but I'll describe here is every, I think it was like 30 minutes or hour, a whole bunch of chicken remains get pumped into this tank and then it's got to settle to get like the fat and remains out and then depending on where things end up, they get pumped into different places. Okay, so then what we would do is we would jump into the tank, pump everything through and then why the water level, well, it's not really water, why the level of whatever is in this thing is down, you'd get in there and do your work in a dry suit. So you're in like one of those suits people wear for fishing. Um so that they don't get wet because you did not want to be in this. Trust me. Like, just I'll tell you right now, just to really fill in a point, right, you may go to your supermarket and think, oh, raw chicken and meat, that's kind of gross. I want to assure you everything that didn't get put in that packaging, way worse. <laughs> that's where you were pumping water. <laughs> that's where we were. <laughs> So you get so just imagine my day. I'm getting quickly pump it out, get in there, do a little bit of work. Then the next the ballad go off, and it's like, oh crap, next load's get coming. Out. You got to get oh. out. Then it will come in. Anyway, the people that I was doing that with, the best. We would make it was practically a party. <laughs> it was just because it was it was so gross. It was funny. So yeah. all day long we are laughing. Absolutely laughing. And at the end of every day, because it was kind of known we're doing this horrible job, is like we would all get, always get a couple of beers. People yep. would like donate to the cause, like you're taking it <laughs> for the team. So I've gone from like I'm working in like perceivably the easiest job that's clean and nice to now working in the worst of the worst. And yet I'm having way more fun and I'm like way happier and enjoying it. So it's like – it was really one of those moments where I look back on now, I didn't necessarily appreciate it in the same light, but who you work with matters so much more than even the work you do. Totally. I think that but that is something that's not enough people kind of talk about because I've, I've had the same as well. Where I haven't been in chicken carcasses, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, I guess. <laughs> it's a these, special part of my life. I was going to say, these hairs ain't touched a screwdriver, Charlie. Like... <laughs> The, these big keyboard heads. Yeah, but surely this could happen in corporate politics totally. as well or even in any endeavour. And that was it was really interesting. Um, so we worked uh, at one of the startups, um, the tech startups that I've got. Uh, we were working on a client site, which was a large utilities uh, client site, and we actually ended up employing one of their employees directly from through us. So they left there and they said, hey, I'd love to work for your software. And the interesting thing that he told this story about was – in their organization, it was all around uh, how does someone get up above someone else? And the way to do that is either you make yourself look really, really good or you pull everybody else down so that then you become the tall puppy, right? And so it was like this whole sort of backbiting and sort of behind everybody's just basically just things that you would never want to be part of. And then he joined our organization where it was the work was actually a lot harder, would work a little bit longer hours and do all of these sort of challenging things compared to a corp, large corporate, right? And his view was, he's like, I actually prefer this because even though it's more stressful and a bit harder, everybody is there for the cause. Everybody is a phone call away no matter what time of the day it is. Everyone laughs about it. 
people own their mistakes and not trying to throw mistakes on other people, which means it's like I feel like I can make a mistake here and we'll work through it together. And his interpretation where as he's telling this story of I'm like, well, why do you enjoy it so much? He's like, this is why. He's like, you like support mistakes. You laugh at things. You guys are all together. You go out for coffees. Like you, you bring this human element of not so much hugely friendship, but you bring this element to work that makes me want to be there. And so he was always the first one in the office, last one to leave kind of thing. And I was like, that's an interesting point because it brings, it's like a, to your point, it's a harder work and it's more stressful work, but he enjoys it more just because he doesn't have to look over his shoulder for people throwing him under the bus or trying to bring him down or sabotage his work or do any of those things. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating that we will retain an employee and he still works with us to this day because of that culture, because of that is how everybody perceives it. Everyone's enjoyable. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's sort of supporting each other versus just trying to get one over. Yeah, so bring this into like, I mean, most people would listen to this podcast, I dare say, because they want to make more money, right? It's like, I just hope people can connect the dots that it's like retaining good employees makes more money. If you're an asshole and and fire them or they quit because they hate working with you because you're a dick, it's like you're actually like worse off. Not to mention the sustainability element once again, like this does totally come into it. I think it's a, a massive, I don't think I appreciated how much like happiness and good culture at work necessarily relates to making money and doing well wealth wise overall. All right, well, uh, let's jump into this next one here, which is I'm going to say a little bit counter, but kind of the same thing is like a- as a business owner, we get to decide what, how we actually spend our time, like the activities. Like we've just totally. spoken about the people and said you can potentially do worse activities you dislike with the right people, and I, I stand by that. But why not both? Why not work with good people and do things you like, Grant? <laughs> what do you mean, Charlie? Those things don't exist. That's an oxymoron. Well, I noticed for me in recent times I'm really enjoying writing. Like we employ writers that are very talented and could probably write the emails better than I, but I love doing it, so I don't let them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Hands off. So like it, the idea being it's like if you uh, – and maybe there's activities you can't get out of that are just not the fun stuff in your business. We all have them, right? It's, it is what it is. But at the same time, I think if as a business owner you can have like majority of your day on activities you actually do enjoy and benefit the organization, you can totally stack the deck here for a bit of a better way of living. Completely. Especially like if, if you're finding there are, there are things that you don't enjoy, right, just making sure that you get someone else to do it. Like so for one, <laughs> one thing that I – it wasn't that I – it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I would just delay it consistently, which was looking over the finances. So I'm, I'm, I would always get them reconciled. But years ago, I would just not do the, the monthly or the weekly check-in. And so I'm like, I'm just avoiding this. I'm like, I just don't want to find the time. Everything else just seems more interesting to me, like making sales, doing marketing, doing all these things. It just I'm, I'm happier to do that type of stuff. And so then what I did was I looked at going, well, how could I make it enjoyable? And so I just ended up paying my bookkeeper to have the calls with me. And I'm like, he's like, why am I on these calls? I'm like, because I need to make it fun. Like I need to talk to somebody about it. I'm like, what am I saying? What am I, what am I not seeing? What, what are you seeing? So I actually went, well, how can I make this thing that is in my calendar that I just kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, more enjoyable. And I'm just like, well, I'll just bring someone. Like, I have to do it. I'll bring someone else in it. And I'm like, that'll make it fun. That'll make it enjoyable. But that'll also hold me accountable to doing it. And then this thing about looking at finances just became more enjoyable, right? And so I just went and found a better way around my calendar. 
It's huge, right? I, I, I wonder about this point though. So if you're a business owner listening to this and it's like maybe you're making money in a way that you don't like. So maybe you're doing something you actively hate and um, you're not doing it with people you like, but it's the only way you know how to make money. Yep. H- how would you approach that? You'd have to change. Like you, there would be two, there'd be two things, right? Oh, actually, no, there's only one. And the reason I say that is even though you can get other people to do the thing, you are still going to get drawn into it at some point. So imagine that I was a business owner that had the business that you were talking about in the chicken, in the chicken carcasses, right? Like I can get other people to do it, but I still have to be in around and try and solve the challenges, which means I'm still going to be involved. So the best way to do it is just find a better thing. Like find something that you actually enjoy, right? Because even if you get someone else to do it, people are going to leave but they're going to be problems. Like you're still going to have to get into it. So, you're so there's an inevitable later. disaster waiting. Totally. Which means that if you hate doing the thing, get other people to do it, but that takes it from a, I don't know, maybe 80% on you to a 20% on you. But if you really hate it that much, trust me, that 20% is still going to niggle at the back of your head. So just completely avoiding it and not doing it is going to be a better outcome than trying to get other people to do it. Yeah, my, my view is the same. To be honest, I, I agree with that so much. I think if you're even if you are making money in something and you hate it, I think eventually that either leads to challenges in the business because the for example, the team leaves or the client leaves and then like you end up losing the money anyway, or you destroy the relationships or your health and then it's like, okay, well then you end up needing time off from that because your health's a disaster because you've been smashing a bottle of wine every night for years. Or your partner leaves you because you're a complete dick when you come home every night. (laughs) So I feel like it's an inevitable thing. I do like many people, myself included, sell themselves the story that's like, no, no, I can keep doing this till I've got the money and then I can work on those other things. I just thoroughly disagree with that now. I think you're far better off changing some of these things in life. Even if you have to take a pause on the money thing, because your chances of being sustainable and actually getting the long-term wealth, happiness, all of it, like that is the path. You've got to make it a cohesive existence. I just look at it like how difficult is it to compete against someone who thoroughly loves what they do? Like imagine that you were good at basketball, like good at basketball, but you didn't love it and you're like, okay, cool. It makes Imagine you're playing in the NBA, it makes good money. And then you see someone like a Kobe Bryant who, who loves the thing. Right, like he is up at 3.30 a.m. in the gym at 4, like just and he's just watching games, like looking at strategy. Like I was checking you... TikTok ads at 5 a.m. on Sunday, Grant. <laughs> but this is but like, so, like the way I look at it is like I can't compete with that. So even if I grip my teeth and try and get other people to do it and try and work through it, do that one guy that loves that business model, he's going to walk all over me. <laughs> and which one of my clients going to want to work with? Which one is my team going to want to work with? The guy that's loving it, the guy that's like all in, the guy that's diving head first. I'm like, so it's actually a better thing for you to just not grit your teeth and try and push through it because you're just not going to be a 10 out of 10 on it. <laughs> right? Like you're going to underdeliver, deliver underperform until it fizzles out and just becomes nothing. All right, so I just want to recap this one here. Like in the business front, I think changing the people you work with, um, changing what you do, right, those two elements can significantly impact happiness. And I encourage that when you really think about it, just how important they are when it comes to making money and wealth creation. Is there anything you do outside of business to increase happiness? Is there anything you look at which you think that would be benefit to other people? So I look at it from a – there are things that I do to – I wouldn't say like reset my state, but kind of. 
right? And I, I think that this is an, an important part. And I don't want to get too woo-woo on this, like, but I'm going to summarize it in like the health concept, right? So for me, one of the big things that I do, like if I look at a problem that's too complex to solve at that point or I'm stressed out or I've got too much negative things kind of impacting me, I'll go for a walk or I'll do a meditation, not because it's going to take me to a a happiness level out of 80%. Like I don't come out of a meditation and go, oh my gosh, I'm the happiest guy alive. No, it just resets my state. It helps me recalibrate from a negative to like zero again of going, oh wow, I've just been hit in the face three times. You know what? Me trying to solve this now is not going to help. I'm going to go out and reset myself before I go back in to solve it because I'm going to have a better opinion, a better viewpoint, a better vantage on top of these things. And so there are a couple of things that I do and I know that you do as well. So um, like a 15, 20-minute meditation for me is something I love. Um, going for walks for like 20, 30 minutes is something that I really enjoy. Or other people just going to the gym, going to smash, like punch the punching bag, right? Let out the stress, let out the the pressure so that they can come back and be a lot, a lot more equal or a lot more of a steady state. So it's not so much of a uh, a thing that I do to create happiness. It's more of a reset of when, because naturally everything's going to have an, something's going to have a negative impact and you just have to reset your mind and go again. So that is one of those things. And for different people, it's different things, but that's something I always do. It's like daily. Yeah. It's like tools to get you back to neutral. Exactly. So the net benefit is like a positive. So it's like going from a negative eight to a zero again, but it's not going from a zero to an eight, right? So it's things that kind of reset the mind. Yeah, so I I definitely concur with them. I think anyone who's into health will probably agree that that is one of the benefits from it. Although you have to acknowledge for some people, like their health is their hobby. So like for, for Hazel, right, when I see her talk about going to the gym, she lights up, man. Like it is something more than – it's not to get her to neutral. It's actually one of the things that brings her joy. Yeah, if you, if you bring it up, you've got to be prepared for a 90-minute conversation. Yeah, we talked about protein quality for like 35 minutes <laughs> on the weekend. Uh, anyway, the po- point being is like there are definitely hobbies, but that kind of ties me into one of mine. Um, I'm going to – when you have hobbies in your life, especially the irrational ones – like logical hobbies like the gym that you can justify, improve your health, they're no yeah. fun. It's like, uh, of course, one of mine more recently has become cooking. Where it's like it is something that is like you look forward to, creating a great meal, and like it actually makes me happier. I think for people to have something in their life, whether it's fishing, golf, cycling, just to name a few that I've definitely had. I was going to say things that you've like riddling off things that you've absorbed yourself into. Yeah. Well, for some it's travel, right? For for others, it's fashion. It's not for, as I said, it's got to be irrational. Something you do just for yourself will be there. Time with Jack, right? Although I would argue that for many people, like time with their family does make them happier, but I really notice it. Like on the weekend, if I spend an hour with Jack, it's like, it's a gain. It's not a, it's not a down. I enjoy and look forward to that time. So I, I got two and they sound so weird, but it's like a doorway into me. So for some unknown godly reason, one thing that I love is just problem solving, like especially around like investments and business. And I have no idea if this is just because I've wired myself to thoroughly appreciate it. Like if I was sat, if I sat down with like the iPad out with a problem and just focusing in on the 10 ways to solve that problem, for like two, three, four hours, dude, I'm that I'm as happy as a pig in mud. 
like I've just sitting there, I'm like, oh my god, I get I get to sit here and I get to think about these strategies, and this is like the greatest thing for me. Yeah, like, how's that? How's that any different than the person who does Sudoku or the to, crossword the, puzzle or whatever it is? Like it's just problem solving in a different way. Some people enjoy that. Totally. But, I mean, for I, me, that sounds like a horrible day, but for you, go nuts. <laughs> I think of it like a kid playing computer games. Like I, I, I would much rather like video I, games I are a great one. Yeah, so I kind of have an addictive personality. So like, if I got into computer games, I'd just never come back out. And so like, challenging like just different problems that people are facing like for some reason i love it and it's why people send me problems all the time because i always just like absorb these things um but the second thing is like me catching up with people like and it's not just people who are in business or like investing or anything like that like i had this great conversation with a guy that we know um around like is what we have right now based reality or like a simulation and all this stuff and it went for like an hour and there was a guy with us, and we always had to check it. Like, you sure you're okay on this? Now, doesn't impact. Doesn't impact the deep my life. conversations. So deep. Does it impact business? Is it because I'm thoroughly entertained around base reality and stuff? No. Like, do I care about religion and stuff to that extent? Probably not. But it's because someone else is so passionate about it that I have so many questions around a topic that I'm just not that well versed at. That I just can be this kid and just so curious. And it's the same. Like people who care about, I don't know, architecture and art and like, I don't know, health. Like it could be things that I could not care less about. If they have this deep knowledge where they're just so excited about it, for some unknown reason, I get so much pleasure and enjoyment of just absorbing their passion, learning so much more about it, even though I could never use it in my real life at all. For some reason, it's this thing that brings me so much joy and happiness where I'm just like, I just think someone else so positive, so happy about this one deep thing is, is infectious. And so I actually go out of my way to network with these types of people. It's it's not even the type of thing, right? It's like, because no. I have the same one. It's almost like I'll call it people that are up to stuff and it yeah. wouldn't matter if they're an athlete, a business <laughs> owner, investing, like in, in this case here, questioning the paradigms of the universe. <laughs> Totally. As long as they're ambitiously up to stuff in that regard, it is like there's something riveting about being around those people. Just, you know, I'm sure that people have had the experience where it's like you go out to dinner with someone who's a drag. You know, it's that high school friend you were obligated to go out to dinner with because they've known you and it's just like they're just like a vampire that just sucked the life out of you. Totally, and you're like trying to like scramble for these other topics, ideas, and stuff like that. But that one person's got this one thing that's like, oh my god, like who's it? Talking to the guy about Lego. And I was like, oh, my God, like there's so much about Lego and like there's collectibles and all these things. And I, was just like, I just never knew it, but they were so passionate about the topic. And I was just like, oh, my God, I was just infatuated. So that, that's like one of my second things that really create happiness for me is just like I know, just talking to people about who have this exuberant, I don't know, passion for other things. I just Okay, so we'll call it health, hobbies and people. Right, is like again the people ones come up like in in business itself and then in the personal life itself. And I would say there's definitely synchronicities between the two. Can I ask you one Absolutely. question though before we wrap up? Sure. Where does money sit for you? you like you're going to have to give me more for that. I feel like that's no, no. Problem. I was just throwing that one. The creation of money. Like, do you sit there and just have like this ex- this happiness of like an in- an investment growing or like positive cash flow coming in or thinking about like investing or things like that. Like where does money, the creation of money or the spending of money sit from a happiness level for you? Because I know a lot of people it's like money is the thing. The more money I get, the more happy I get. I'm curious because you didn't have it in your list. 
like just what's changed for me it's um well when we did the episode prep for this one i wanted to make sure i brought it into the things that i think are relevant for the audience of course and it's like uh, me today versus me when i was going through this stuff probably a little bit different and i think if you haven't got the things together we've discussed so far it's like what i'm about to say probably won't be as helpful Um, but i will say that when i was not financially independent. So if you go back to like um, got a business, making a little bit of money, money itself was stressful and actually something that made me unhappy because I, I treated it like business originally. So you, you got to look at this and it's like I'm going through grinding, having to learn all this stuff, thinking it's about the accumulation. Um, now it's a game and it's fun. Like mm-hmm. it is an actual hobby. Like I – Again, on the weekend, like the podcasts I consume are finance podcasts because I'm learning about, well, what's going on in the world when the bonds are changing so much? And like how does debt affect property in this environment? There's 200,000 people coming into the country right now. What's that going to do to the economy? And like if I make an investment based on these things and I make money from it, it's almost like uh, collecting the wins in a video game, the loot box. Yeah, so investing definitely has become a hobby and something that is fun for me and I know for many others out there, but it wasn't at the stage when I was just seeking the outcome. So previously, all it was for me was just like, I just want the money, I just want the money, right? Where now it's like, oh, I love the game. And I could almost argue the same in business. So totally. both of them are become have become things for me where it's like, love the game. But both of them were not originally. Both of them I got into four outcomes. And it's been really interesting like, for yourself where you've changed business models to support the things that you enjoy, which is, which is why I asked the question because I'm like, it's, it's, it's designed that way. It wasn't just created that way. I'm, I got a second question for you though. People listening to this, imagine they're going, Charlie, I'm significantly unhappy right now. <laughs> like I'm just like going through and I'm swinging and feeling the punches. Like, what do they do? Where do they go from here? They unsubscribe to the email list. <laughs> <laughs> we just want positive people. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, hopefully people would listen to this and like start to make some adjustments. So for someone out there is like the insights I would go with is like happiness is a skill. You can learn it. You can do it. Just like if you want to be a writer or you want to be good at riding a bike, just like it is attainable through um, skill acquisition. The second thing to that is just that for anyone selling themselves the lie that it's like, oh, once I get the money, then I'll work on the happiness. Mm. That contract is a recipe for unhappiness. You're way better off making some of these changes and then making the game sustainable. Um, And then the third thing I'd say is the people component of it is like we're building this community. So I would encourage people to gravitate towards the full stack community because like these are the outcomes we want for everyone. I love that. I love that. That. The final thing that as I talk to people, they find fascinating is like that point system. It's just thinking about the things that you do. I know we spoke about like the calendar. What does your calendar look like? Is your calendar stacked for positives or negatives on happiness scale? Like if you're doing a whole heap of things that you don't like, yeah, maybe just reevaluate that and, and go again. I reckon I might wrap this one up, Charlie. Let's you? do it. Let's do it. For anyone listening, I'm actually going to be more positive than I was in the intro. Head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter, subscribe, put in your details and get notified every single time we drop one of these episodes. And I just want to say thank you very much for joining us and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.